Hallelujah. Well, we've been looking in uh, Galatians for a uh, what a few weeks now, and um, so this is a, a, an interesting little passage. It starts for freedom. Christ has set us free for freedom, for the purpose of being free. Christ has set us free for the purpose of being free Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of bondage we're going to talk a bit today about being free and how to claim your freedom in Christ Jesus uh, in our faith, in the Christian faith, the truth of the matter is no one can make you a slave and no one can force you to be free. It's actually when we yield to things that make us a slave that make us a slave. Mm. And not until we take hold of our freedom do we walk in that freedom. It, interesting, it says there, for the purpose of being free, Christ has made us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not accept anything except freedom. Which means, that tells me that the default position in the world, in the default position in this life really, is, is things are going to try and control you. Things are going to try and dominate you. Things are going to try and enslave you. Now, that might be your circumstances. It might be your mental health. It might be your emotional well-being. It might be your body, but they try and control you. But the scripture says, for, for freedom, for the purpose of freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, it goes through this uh, rather complex little debate here about circumcision and uh, the only thing I'm going to say about that really is that is that what it's talking about is being bound or restricted to the things that we have earned or the things that we've deserved as being uh, what we what we can have in life so uh, it says there, if, you're, if you yield to being circumcised, then you must yield to the rest of the law. And, and, and what that means is, you know, in, in the context, obviously, is, is that uh, Peter and some of the other disciples were, were caught up. The Bible says for fear of man, they, they, they uh, got caught up with the, with the Jewish system. And, uh, but Paul says to them, if you for one minute think that you can deserve what God has given to you, then you really need to be really, really, really good. In fact, you need to be perfect, all right? Because what God has given to us is a free gift. Yeah. So this freedom that God has in us is a, has for us, is a free gift. We have a gift of freedom. It's a, it's a big word, freedom. And basically it means anything that tries to control you will enslave you. Anything that says, this is the way you're going to think. 
or this is the emotions you're going to be tormented by or this is going to be your physical state or your financial state those things will try and enslave us that Christ has set us free. I want you to say this. It is for freedom. Say this with me. It is for freedom that Christ has made me free. Say it again. It is for freedom that Christ has made me free. Now, I'll take you for a minute. We talked about it last week, but uh, just to show that this is not just talking about the religious law, uh, it is talking about the religious law, but they knew it was talking about so much more than that. And, and, and in, in chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit for the Apostle Paul says, "We, well, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. You have been brought back from the curse of the law. Now, I mentioned it last week. We're going to take just a minute because I'm going to be talking more than just religious freedom. I mean, who loves religious freedom? Yes. Who's glad that you're allowed to eat lobster tonight? All right? Or, or, or you know, prawns? Or who's glad that you, 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 know, you didn't have to wash certain ways before you came here? We would have had, under the old law, we would have had, some of us would probably benefit from washing certain ways before we came here. All right? But there would have had to be a bath down there that we all had to dip in and before we came here according to the law. Who's glad we're free from that? All right? But we're free also from the consequences of sin if we walk in faith. That's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I just before we go back to, to, to Deuteronomy 28, I want to touch on some things. I, I, want, I want us to know today that the power of God is here. Yes. to exercise freedom for us, whatever is binding us. Yes, amen. Whatever is forcing you, dictating to you, whatever feels like you're being controlled by, you're free from. And it's not because you've earned it. It's not because you deserve it. Yeah. It's because Christ has bought that freedom for you. Yeah, Just skip down, it says, verse 5, uh, verse, verse 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, nor uh, neither circumcision or uncircumcision accomplishes anything. And to decipher that, it means you can be as good, do as many good works as you possibly can, and it won't achieve what Christ has done for you. Now that doesn't mean we, we don't do those good works because we, we walk the, the walk of righteousness, we're made righteous, we walk the walk of righteousness. But doing all those things, you say, but I am a Christian, but I'm a good Christian, but I've lived my life good, but I've paid my tithes. But none of those things actually amount to anything if you think you can blackmail God into loving you or blessing you. Yeah, that's right. At the, by the other hand, if you go and rebel against what you know God has for your life, and you go out and fornicate, you go out and steal. I love, <laughs> I love that verse. What was it Titus? It says, slaves, by the way, don't steal from your masters. Now, you'd think really, written to Christian slaves, you'd think you wouldn't need to say, don't steal from your masters. But maybe, for in our case, it's don't steal from the government. Ooh. 
Yeah. See all those toes get pulled in there? <laughs> Don't steal from the government. Don't steal from your masters. Yeah. Right? Don't honor your boss. But but you know, but at the same time rebelling from all those things and going out and fornicating and going out and, and getting into steel and going, they they're not gonna bring you life either. Yeah. They're not gonna give you what you're looking for. You'll come up empty because the freedom that we need is bought for us in Christ. But the only thing that matters in the kingdom of God is faith yeah. working by love. That's right. What we believe, what we believe about who we are, what we believe about what Christ has done for us, and applying that in love, not selfishly, uh, uh, not, put, not ripping off others to not standing on others to be lifted up, but, but to lift up others. Yeah, right. To know that, that we, we are God's blessed. We are God's chosen. We are God's redeemed. Faith working by love. I don't need to put people down. You don't need to blow out someone's light to make your candle go brighter. You know, it doesn't work like that anymore. All right, faith working by love is what matters. That's what brings results in the kingdom of God. But just to show you that when some of the things I'm going to touch on now, because we, you know, religion, so just turn to Deuteronomy 28. It, it's, it's a depressing chapter. <laughs> it's, but, you know, it's good to just see what they, what they were talking about, and we won't go through it, but I do want to touch on a few things. So where's Deuteronomy? I know it's in my Bible somewhere. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is the blessing and the curses. Now many of us know what this. Who's read Deuteronomy 28? Who's got it expanded and put it up on the back of your toilet door? You curse this, curse that. Who's got it? Yeah, it's, not, it's one of those verses. You know. But it's good to have there in the reference. You know, it's good to have there in a reference in Galatians 3, it says we're redeemed from the curse of the law. Yeah. It's good to have that little reference that says go and look at Deuteronomy 28. Don't blow it up, put it in the back of your toilet. Don't claim these curses, but they're there. All right? Now, before we read some of them, I want to understand, you know, understand this. Is it especially in the Old Testament where it says God will curse you and God will do this. They, they didn't have the, the tense, the, the expression, that says God allows this to happen, all right? And if you want a, a bigger picture, a better, a good example of that, a really good example of that, is the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, all right? And you can go and look it up. I invite you to go and look it up, where it says the angel of death came, and it says that the God, that, that it says God killed the firstborn, all right? And in the ancient Hebrews, the ancient languages, didn't have the understanding that God allowed this to happen. All right? So it's a form of judgment uh, when we live in sin or when, or, you know, the curse of the law is that these things happen as a natural consequence, really. So when Adam and Eve sin, these things happen. All right? God allows them to happen. But that does not mean it's God's will for them to happen. Yeah, exactly. You understand that? Yes. Because in fact, in Deuteronomy it says, I set, you, I set before you today life and death, blessing and the curse. But if you want my advice, he says, 
choose life. Which means we have a choice in these things. Now with the angel of death that went amongst all through Egypt that night, and it said, it says the angel of death, the messenger from Satan went in. So when we disobey the word of God, or when we walk in unbelief, or when we choose to go against the conscience, we open ourselves up to the work of the devil. When we walk in faith, we walk in love, we're on no ground that he can touch. But in Deuteronomy 28, verse verse 15, it says, If you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commandments and statutes I give you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading bowl will be cursed. Your offspring will be cursed. Your land's project, the young of your herds, and so on and so forth. It goes on. The verse 20 says, the Lord will send against you curses and confusion. Now, later on, I want to address this particularly because there is a plague of mental illness in our community. That is not God's will. Now, all of us, to some degree, suffer. True? I had a friend many years ago, I was living with him, a Christian friend, and he uh, he worked for the public service in Canberra. I know that's, I don't know, maybe those two words shouldn't go in the same sentence, work for the public service. And there's plenty of people that do work for the public service. But I can remember him starting to take uh, sick leave when he wasn't really sick, you know, because he's... So he started to take sick leave when he wasn't really sick, and then and then that sick leave, oh, I'm going to take a week off. I just go and you know months later, I'm going to go to get a doctor, and so I'm a bit stressed out. So you know, we knew those three of us Christian guys. We knew that he wasn't really sick, but he just said, oh, I'm going to take sick leave for this, and and guess what? Then he started to get depressed. He did, and yeah, we were living in the house for about a year. Well, from the beginning of that year, it was most remarkable, to the end of that year, there was a total transformation came over this guy who at the beginning of the year was happy, in faith, in the church, in fellowship, and then started to yield to these thoughts, well, maybe I am feeling a bit depressed. And by the end of the year, he was diagnosed with depression. He was diagnosed with serious... And then I visited him years ago, and this was not the guy that I knew uh, 10 or 15 years before. But guys, it's, it's actually, it, it, and it, it is no different really with physical illness, and it's no different with emotional illness, It's no different with poverty. Because all those things are listed under the curse of the Lord. All those things are listed under the curse of the Lord. Now I want to say this. 
We're all, you know, the Bible says, no temptations come to you which is not common to men. So one way or another, we're all in this together and Satan's going to try and get us one way or another. All right? So if you are feeling condemned for whatever situation you're in, that is a lie of the devil. In fact, just turn briefly. I read this is another one I really didn't want to go to, but turn turn to two, turn to two Peter two. And uh, the reason this is this is another heavy chapter because in Second Peter. He's here talking about people that come into the church and, and pull people down with false teaching, bring them down. But in 2 Peter 2 and verse, verse 19, he says this interesting thing, 2 Peter 2 verse 19. It says, they promise to give you freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption since they are enslaved to whatever defeats them. They are slaves, they promise to give you freedom, but they're slaves to corruption because they're slaves to whatever defeats them. Now that word defeat means devalues them. They are slaves to whatever brings them down. And we become slaves when we believe things other than what God believes or says about us. Now, if we if we believe that we're that we're, that we're not we're not we're not we're not made righteous, we become slaves to a sense of unrighteousness. If we if we don't know how much God loves us and values us and thinks we're beautiful, we become slaves to that sense of un, unworth. So slavery or lack of freedom or oppression or depression or possession which doesn't happen to our hearts if you're Christians but but the devil afflicting them is because we believe less of ourselves than what God believes of us it believes we, we haven't come to know that we are redeemed from this we've been brought from this that we're beautiful that's what the word grace means. It means you're beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're good looking today. <laughs> you're good looking. Now I understand if you're sitting next to some of us, it takes more faith to say that than others. But that's all right. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And don't let... The devil lied to you, don't let, because slavery comes when you believe less of yourself than what God believes of you. So it says, for the purpose of freedom, we have been set free, because God doesn't want anyone or anything or any situation or any circumstance to control you. If you've got a dream in God to go places and to be things and you can't do it because the money's short, then you've been made free from that. If, if you're afraid to meet people because you feel shy, you feel people don't love you, you'll be set free from that. You are beautiful. You are valued. You are esteemed. Don't sell ourselves short from what God has done for us. It, 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 
2 Peter 2.19 says, you become slaves when you devalue what God has done for you. When you shortchange what God's done for you. It is for freedom that we've been set free. Now, a couple of things, and then I want to talk about one illustration when when God was set, when people were set free in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Who believes Jesus is here today in our midst? Yes. Who believes? Now, who 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 doesn't necessarily feel when you came here that He was here in your midst? Well, isn't it good that the Word of God doesn't depend on your feeling? Yes. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Yes. All right? Because he is here. Because he'd said he'd be here. Who believes that we corporately, not just ourselves, but we corporately are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then the power of God now is here to break your chain today. And it's God's will for that chain to be broken. You know, in Acts 10, turn to Acts 10, 28. We can throw it up if we got it. Could you get that? Acts 10 28. Peter, when he witnessed the power of God falling on the Gentiles, because for a long time they thought it was only for the Jews, but he witnessed the power of, of God falling on the Gentiles. And uh, it's Acts 10 38. Thank you very much. In the Bible scholars amongst you. <laughs> Acts 10 38. And he said, he said to them, Now I truly know that God's not a respecter of persons. And that's in verse 34. So so the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. But but the Gentiles, guys, they weren't circumcised. The Gentiles hadn't bathed the right way. But the power of God fell on them. He said, Now I know God's not a respecter of persons. It means it means you may not think you're worthy. But God couldn't care less. Because in fact, the knowledge, thinking you're worthy, actually disqualifies you. Knowing you're not worthy qualifies you for the power of God to move in your life. So he said that, now it's amazing, he said that God God doesn't look to see how, how worthy you are. He's not a respecter of persons. He says, he moved there, Acts 10, 38, he says, you've heard of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He went about forgiving all who had been condemned by the devil, for God was with him. He went about healing as all the mental illnesses that, that were the oppression of the devil, for God was with him. In, in, um, in John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says to them, he says, we'll turn to John chapter 8. God wants to set you free this morning. He wants to set you so freer than you than you want to, freer than you can imagine, freer than you want to. God wants your freedom more than you want it 
That's why Christ died for you, so you can be free of anything that would want to control you today. John chapter one, verse, John chapter eight, verse thirty-one. As he was saying these things, many many believed him. And Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, "If you continue in my word, you are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." They said, well, we're to say descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say we'll be free? And Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to the sin, but the slave does not remain in the household forever, but the son remains for the household forever. If the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Now what that's saying, guys, is that is that you may think what you've done or what someone's done for you can enslave you, all right? But sin can never enslave you because you have now been made a child of God. And the child of God abides in the house forever. Yeah, that's right. And he says, and when you know that, you will be made free or you will be set free. When you know that you're the child of God with the power of God abiding in you, when that revelation hits you, that illumination hits you, you will be made free. You will be declared free. That means anything that is trying to control you, anything that is not of life, anything that's not of health, anything that's not of goodness, anything that is, that is, that is not joyful to you, that, that those things that try and control you. You understand this, guys, the devil tries to control you. God never tries to control you. God doesn't dictate the outcome of your life. If he did, why would he say choose life? Yeah. Why would he say? What, to torment us? I'm going to teach you. I'm going to think you've got a choice. But really? Why? No. He said choose life today. And those thoughts, guys, those habits that have bound us, the hate, the fear, the condemnation. Who wants to be free of those? Who wants to be free of those today? The things that people have said to us that have hurt us when they have judged us. Who wants to be free of those today? Who wants to be free of those today? Jesus said you will know the truth and that truth will make you free. It will make you free. But I want to show you one more. One more thing before I talk about an example. I forgot to tell you about our dog Max, by the way. Did you know we had a dog called Max? We had a dog called Max, and uh, I forget what 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 breed was he? Doberman. He was a Doberman. You know Dobermans, and he was a big Doberman. Yeah. You know, like he was his back was about this high, all right. And Mac, we lived at that stage. We had a property in the hinterland of the Gold Coast of seventeen acres, and we thought, well, we've got a big property. We might as well get ourselves a big dog, all right. And and so what we didn't realize is that Max, uh, Max had a will of his own. And, and you know, when you're a dog that size, you know where you want to, you know where you go when you're a dog that size? You go wherever you want to go. <laughs> you know what you get when you're a dog that size? You get whatever you get, all right? So we, 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 uh, and we've thought, Lynn and I believed in our ability to train dogs and 
and, and we've had a lot of success in training dogs, but what we didn't understand is the ability for kids to untrain dogs. Who <laughs> <laughs> well, can say amen? You know, so, uh, yeah, that's it, that's it. So, so Max would decided that he was just going to explore the whole neighborhood. He had his own mind. So I thought, how are we going to deal with this? So I spent quite a few hundred dollars on those little, now don't, don't shout me down here, like, you know, it, but those little collars that had little electrical yeah. things that zap them right now. Yeah. Now, like so, then we, then we, then we put this electrical little electrical cable around. You know, it was about, about an acre half of land for him to roam in, right? And so around the house, and so he could. And it took me ages to do this. I pegged it all out to try and control Max, to try and restrict his freedom, right? And. Um, and so for, for, for days, days, Max was a good dog. <laughs> he stayed within this boundary around the house. Because he started to walk out and he get a little warning. Thing would go like this. So we backed away from it then. And we, we were happy. We had, we had Max confined. We had Max enslaved in these boundaries. But Max didn't want to stay in there. And so one day, Max took a run at this cable. <laughs> one day, Max said, I'm going to charge this cable. And he ran towards it, and he ran, and he, and he leaked over it, and it went, it goes, and then poof on the other side. And he goes, I'm free. And from then on, Max was free from the chains that bound him. <laughs> we ended up, we ended up, I think we gave him away to a, to a, a guard, you know, a guy, a security guard. And Linda saw the security guard who'd been lean about a, a year later. And she said to him, how's Max? She says, Max ate my truck. <laughs> as soon as Max knew he was free, as soon as Max took his freedom, Max was free. We couldn't keep him in. If I showed you today from the scriptures that even though you have been made free, you will never experience free until you take it. You can say to me, Pastor Grant, uh, my circumstances, my body, my mind doesn't tell me I'm free. If I showed you from the scriptures that you've been made free, but you won't experience freedom, look at me now. You won't experience freedom till you take it. Yeah. Would that challenge you to take it? If I could show you from the scriptures today, that there's freedom we have in Christ that we will never walk in until we take it. That there's a joy we have in Christ and a peace we have in Christ and a provision we have in Christ. The promises of God to break those chains are there available, done for us, but we have to take it. Would that change the way you think about life? Would that change your circumstances this week? You know, when things are trying to control, you know, oppression, depression, financial need, physical need. 
if I could show you that that freedom, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, be stand firm, therefore, and be not entangled again by those things that seek to control you, that seek to determine the course of your life outside of the blessing of God, outside of the goodness of God. It is for freedom that we have been set free. Stand firm, therefore, in the freedom you have in Christ, and don't be entangled by the lies of the devil. Yeah, that's good. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalms. Why don't you turn to Psalm 107? Somewhere at 7, and we will look at verse 8 to start with. It says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he satisfied the thirsty and he filled the hungry with good things. Others sat in darkness and gloom. They were prisoners with cruel chains. And this is a picture of the world but it's also a picture of Christians who don't know what God's done for them who don't know the value who don't know the redemption they have in Christ we're in a lot of Christians in darkness we're in gloom and and you know Satan will talk you into this darkness and gloom darkness means you can't see what God's done for you gloom means you've allowed that to affect your mouth, your thoughts, your confession. They sit in darkness and gloom. They're prisoners in cruel chains. But jump over to verse 14. Or verse 13, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from distress. He brought them out of darkness and he broke their chains apart. Who remembers the day when you heard that God had forgiven your sins? Who remembers, you know, with tears, the joy when, when, the, when the, that revelation came to your heart that, that he loves you, he's not mad at you, that he, he bore your sins on the cross and you got some light as to the love of God. And he brought you out of that darkness and he broke that chain of condemnation upon you. But just because a chain is broken doesn't mean you're free. Doesn't mean you experience freedom. So flip with me please to Isaiah 52. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. Say that with me. It's for freedom that Christ has set me free. Whatever is binding us, whatever in our mind, that, that, that voice that condemns us, whatever in our circumstances that's directing you away from the blessings of God or the good life that God has for you, He has set us free. 
And we're starting to get a bit of light on that today. Yeah. So Isaiah 52, it says this. It says, listen to me. Listen. Hearken. Pay attention. Don't let this just go in one ear or go out the other ear. Or when you leave here this morning, you go, we say to each other, uh, what's for lunch? <laughs> you need to say to each other, what about that word today? What about that light that I got? That is for freedom, I've been set free. Now, all those things this week which tried to tie me down, I've been set free. I have been set free. I stand there for, and I'm not going to allow it to bind me. So it says here, hearken, listen to me, hearken, wake up, wake up, put on your strength, put it on, put on your strength, put on your beautiful garments, put on the garments of praise, put on, he's clothed us in the robe of righteousness, put them on. Get up when you're feeling down, when you're feeling condemned. Just stand in front of the mirror. So I'm going to put on the robes of righteousness. I'm going to look at myself and say, you're looking beautiful today. You're looking righteous today, son. Talk to yourself. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Don't believe the condemnation. Don't believe the darkness. But choose to believe that you're righteous. Don't believe your feelings if your feelings are lying to you. That's why it says to stand firm. If you didn't have to stand, right, then, then you know, it would happen automatically. It don't happen automatically. Yeah. It's done for you, but you've got to stand. And here it says, put on those clothes of righteousness. Tell yourself you're beautiful. Tell yourself I'm right. That means I am right with God. And say it. Do you feel it? But if you don't feel it, keep saying it. Because it's not a lie. Yeah, right. It's the truth. And it's about time we started speaking the truth about ourselves and speaking the devil's like, oh, woe is me. <laughs> Speak to it. Blessed is me. I met someone down the beach the, just the other day and uh, they started to tell me about their business and they started telling me about this and I can tell they're trying to put on a good face. I just kept a feeling inside me. Ask them if they've got any faith. Now, this is not a random person. I met them a couple of times before, but but I I, they, I didn't know if they were Christian. They didn't know I was a Christian. And so, I, but it came back to me. Ask them if they got if they got faith. Funny thing to say, really. I said, "Do you have faith?" And they said, "Well, yeah." This well, actually, I I, I do believe. And I said, well, let's pray about your business. And they were, well, we're just, we're actually down on the beach. <laughs> and they go like this, they look around, they look around, because they've just been talking to some other guys and they're looking around like this, like this. And they said, okay. I said, well, let's pray. I said, because you're blessed. And they said, yeah, you're right. I am blessed. I said, look where I live. It's time we need to start calling ourselves the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now that doesn't mean you go around saying so, 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 so. It means you go around saying, I'm redeemed. I've been bought with a price. The Bible says, let the poor say they are rich. Let the people with small bank account, but they need finances to do God's dream for them. Let them say they are rich. I don't think you, that doesn't sound like you believe that. It really does. You need to say, I'm rich. 
I'm rich. So it says here, wake up, put on your strength, put on your beautiful garments, Jerusalem. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. I am beautiful. I am valued. I am esteemed. God esteems me. He values me. Put on those garments. Get dressed up. Make yourself look beautiful. Stare the devil in the face and say, I've got the robes of righteousness. I look beautiful. I'm beautiful to God. I'm not going to believe the lie that says I don't have value. Dare to say it when you don't feel it and it'll come to pass. He says, do this. For the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer enter you. How's that? If you believe God's dream for you, the effect of sin won't be on you. If you believe God's forgiveness, the condemnation will fall off on you. The uncircumcised, the undeserving thing, Christ deserves for me. I've put on these garments of righteousness. It says, stand up. Stand up tall. When we're feeling down, when we're feeling oppressed, stand up. Have the audacity to stand up and stare at it and say, shake off that dust. You know that dust, that dust that we have every day. You know, Jesus said, you go into the town and they and they don't believe what you say and they look down and you. He says, walk out, shake off the dust. Yeah. I don't believe what people say about me. I don't believe what the devil says about me. I don't believe what that symptom says about me. Shake off that dust. Dust it off. Have your audacity. You'll feel like you're pretending sometimes, but understand this. You're acting out who you really are. That's right. That's exactly. You're like the pauper who starts to act like the prince and then discovers he's the prince all along. And then it says this. It says this, shake off your dust, Jerusalem, remove the chains from your neck. Remove them, they're broken. Remove them, take them off. Act like they have no right for you anymore. We're gonna finish on this illustration on your turn to Luke. Today, God's gonna, well, God's broken chains, but we're gonna take some off today, amen? Amen. I need a, a, thank you, thank you. I heard that, amen. Is that you? Yeah. That's good. That means you agree with what God's going to do in your life. Yeah. Did you agree with it? I'm embarrassed the poor lady should be able to say amen again. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to show you something here in Luke 13. <coughs> this is one of these miracles, Luke chapter 13. This is the woman who was crippled over. Now, I want you to understand something about this woman. The Bible says she was oppressed by the devil. Now, modern science, I want you to understand, modern science and modern psychology, they would have another diagnosis or another root cause for this. And that's fine. That's fine. That's all right. They probably would have scanned her back and she would have had calcifications. You understand that? That's fine. You would have, that's all right. You know, and, and maybe there's some medicine that will address that. And that's good. Medicine and God are on the same page. In fact, you can combine your faith with medicine. That's all right. God's not angry at you. All right? It's whatever, you know. That's like saying, God, I'm believing for money, but I'm not going to go and get a job. 
medicine can't do and God can do that's you it. understand this all right remember the woman with the issue of blood she spent everything she had that's right the power of God was there and the power of God is here to answer your need and and I feel a special power of God today I know for mental illness or depression or fear because they're all lies of the devil if we really believed and saw ourselves who God sees us, how could we be sad? We'd be glad. Stand up, Zion. Stand up, daughter of Israel. Shake off the dust. Put on that robe. Take that chain off. Today we're going to take some chains off. Now, this is one of the few miracles in the Bible where Jesus doesn't accredit it to their faith. Now, understand this. When Jesus is saying, he's not making faith another work, all right? He's not saying because you've got more faith or less faith. He's not. It's us that makes it a work, all right? He's just saying, because you've chosen to believe me, all right? And he's actually flipping it because the opposite side to that is works, all right? For them, he's saying, you haven't earned this, you haven't deserved this, because you've chosen to believe me. But I want to show you something here. It says, he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Now, the synagogue probably was about the size of this. We think it wasn't the temple. It was probably about the size of this, of this thing. It was a building, and it had chairs around it, and outside the woman, the woman sat, you know. But he was probably sitting in a place that they could see. Maybe it was an open one. And there probably would have been about as many as us here. It wasn't a crowd of thousands. It wasn't, there wasn't a stage with a microphone. And they didn't have three songs. And they didn't have this. And you know what? There weren't even any smoke machines. How God could move when there's no smoke machines, I don't know. But he did. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he was there. All right? And there... There was a woman, disabled spirit, she was bent over, right, and she could not straighten up. Now, I want you to understand this. The psychologists and the psychologists and the doctors and all that would have, nowadays they would have decided, well, you've got this thing. You've got this mental disorder. You've got, and that's true. They have got, but all those things were really just the physical outworking of the oppression of the devil. Yeah, that's right. You understand that? Yeah. All right? Okay, and if you can take drugs for, for, for oppression, that's all right. You, I'm not saying not to, but trust God and take them. Yeah. All right. And when he saw her, he called this out and he said this. He said, woman, you are free from your disability. You are free from your disease. Now, you've got to understand this. She's bent over and crippled. She still looks crippled. The symptoms of her crippledness are still there. And there's those amongst us, we're all crippled to some extent for something, emotional hurts, torments, fears. But Jesus has said, woman, you are healed. And she heard that, and light came. 
And then he took her by the hand. He said, stand up. She could have said no. And she'd still be crippled today. <laughs> she could have said no. But you know what? She decided to stand up. And she tried to stand up. And if you've seen some of the miracles, which I'm sure some of you have that, that, that I've seen, so some of you have. And you know, when she started to stand up, I'd almost guarantee she wasn't straight to start with. Yeah. She was like this, like this. But as she started to stand up, the power of God moved into her. I'm going to come back to that. But understand this, they objected to that because the healing was on the Sabbath. And Jesus said this, and they were humiliated when he said this. He said, should not, ought not, this daughter of Abraham be healed on the Sabbath. The word there means by necessity she should be healed on the Sabbath. The Sabbath requires her to be healed. And for Christians, those of us that are Christians, the Bible says there's a Sabbath day rest. When we work from our, we rest from our power, we trust in the power of Christ. That's the Sabbath day rest. Jesus knew, he said, I am, God says, he is the Sabbath. What he's done for us is the Sabbath. And his power to deliver us from torment. Are you listening to that? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ requires deliverance for our yeah. mind. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ requires freedom from torment, guilt, and condemnation. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ requires healing for our body. One day, we all know, one day or another, we're going to get it. Amen. No more fear, no more pain. But all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And she stood up and she was healed with the impression of the devil. Now there's a lot of us now, not gone too long. Because I just wanted to build faith in you. I want you to I want you to look at me. That thing that's oppressing you today. The mental torment, the fear of whatever's coming your way. It might be work, it might be in your body, there'll be fear there, it might be torment. Alright? It's time to stand up. It's time to say, that has no hold on me. It's time to take off that chain. Be like Max. <laughs> Be like Max. <laughs> From that day on, it doesn't matter how many times we brought him inside, he would run at that line. And he'd jump over. This is the look of freedom. <laughs> Because it's going to be like that. <laughs> you know, eventually I just turned it off. Eventually the devil will just turn it off. Yeah. You make that stand. Yeah, right. We have some music up here. So we are. Uh,
I, everyone faces issues. Don't think I don't face issues. I face issues. I face health issues. I face emotional issues. Can't we share today? Having to, to get over. <laughs> what was it? I know, because you were talking about that. Where did that come from? <laughs> but, it's, but it's time to stand up. It's time to shake it off. It's time to say, I'm not going to settle for what less than God has for me. Yeah. And your battle is real because the devil's held you in darkness. Yeah. Your battle's real. It feels real. You don't need to tell me how it feels. I know it feels real. And, and they would have diagnosed it, and I'm not belittling the diagnosis. You know, you can look at your bank account, and the bank account has diagnosed it. All right? It hasn't, right? But that doesn't mean that needs to be the end. And the doctors diagnosed it, and they've told you, and, and very often they've put this, and they've comforted you, and that's fine. You can, you can go like that. That's fine. You'll get to heaven. You'll be. But right now, God's saying, stand up, Israel. Stand up, O daughter of Jerusalem. Dust it off. Put it on. Put on the road of righteousness. Refuse to accept what the devil says to you. And you I know what it feels like. Trust me. Because your mind's going, no, 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 no. It's like like Max jumping over, getting close to that fence and goes, but you know, you break through that. You break through that. You refuse to take it. And you speak to it. And you say, You go in Jesus' name. I refuse oppression. I refuse depression. And your body will want to lie to you. Your head will want to lie to you. But it's I refuse it. That doesn't mean you, you, you want to keep that medication. You take it. Say, I trust God for victory over this in Jesus' name. You'll find you'll wake up one day. You won't need it. It might be one week, two weeks. It might be six months away. You'll get a doctor's report from you. Like the friend that we had, I told you last, last week, with the lead poisoning, six weeks later. Gone. Gone. Stand up. Everyone stand up.